Well, hey guys, welcome into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in the first part of a new series entitled Follow. What we see throughout scripture is Jesus giving invitations to different people and asking them to follow him. And so we're going to talk through uh, several different of those passages. And the first one that we're going to talk through is probably the most famous one. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And it says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This passage seems really simple and straightforward, and I think that on one level it is or can be, but I also think that it poses some big questions for us Today, the first question would be this Are we willing to leave what we know behind? This was no small ask that Jesus was making of the disciples. He was asking them to leave their profession, to leave their families, and to leave their homes to follow him. And I, I just don't think that it was as simple as them wanting to leave the monotony of fishing to follow this celebrity rabbi. Because Jesus wasn't a celebrity rabbi, they knew very little about Jesus at this time. Being fishermen was their livelihood. It was their position and culture. It was everything about their life. It's how they provided for their families. It's how they they interacted with the culture around them. You don't just abandon that. Their comfort was found in their trade. Their comfort was found in all of those things. And I think that that is where it gets really difficult for you and I today because it poses this question. Are we willing to leave the comfort of what we know for what Jesus has for us? Are we willing to leave the comfort of all the things that we know to go for the things that we might not quite know about, but we know they're from Jesus? I think it can be really easy for us to look at the story as people who know what ends up happening in the end, right? Like the disciples didn't know that the next three years of their lives were going to be filled with miracles and incredible things and that Jesus was truly going to prove himself to be the Messiah and all those different things. We live on this side of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and that is absolutely incredible. We are assured that Jesus is the Messiah. But these men were not. They weren't assured of anything. So the question is, are we willing to leave the comfort of what we know, even knowing all the things that we know, it's difficult, right? We, we believe, and and maybe you're on the fence, maybe you're, you're, um, unsure of whether or not Jesus is truly the Messiah. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you've decided, like you've made the big decision to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to him. And yet it's so difficult to still leave the comfort of the things we know for the things that Jesus has for us. We get the amazing privilege of being on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, but they didn't. And yet it says that they followed at once and immediately. At once and immediately. So that leads us to the next question. Are we willing to go now? Right? Are there any other procrastinators out there? Right? I am, I am a huge procrastinator. I truly feel like I work better uh, when it's do or die. I, I remember being in college and um, 
my wife is a year ahead of me in school. And so I decided that I wanted to graduate at the same time as her. So I, I decided to try to get my degree in three years. And that meant that I was taking 24, 26, maybe 28 credits a semester, taking intercession classes and still working 40 hours a week at Olive Garden at the time. And that meant that I had to take a lot of classes online because I didn't physically have the time to sit through hour and a half long lectures or anything like that. And if you've taken any online classes, you know, assignments are due or conversations where you have to respond to two people or whatever it is, whatever your online schooling looks like at 1159 on Sunday night. Well, I worked weekends because as a server, that's where I made the most cash. So I worked Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights. It was important to me to make money. It's how I made my livelihood. But what that meant is I would work until 10 o'clock at night on Sunday and then I'd go and I'd flip open my planner and be like, all right, I have two hours or an hour and 59 minutes technically to get this thing done. And I would do it. I would, I would just, just in two hours, would just put together papers and quizzes and all the different things that I had to do. Graduate with a pretty high GPA, like, like not, not trying to brag because I would never suggest that anybody do that, but, but I'm a procrastinator and I think I work better under pressure. But here's the thing. When it comes to procrastination and the call of Jesus, The outcome is that we are missing out on the promises of God while we camp in that procrastination. The only people that we're hurting is ourselves because we are procrastinating. We are delaying our yes to Jesus because he has promises that he wants to fulfill in our lives. And when we procrastinate and we hesitate to say yes, we are only missing out on the promises of God. Jesus knew exactly who these men were. He knew what they were capable of and he knew what they would be only be capable of If they said yes to him, that by themselves, they were great men by themselves. They were experts at their trade by, by themselves. They were good, but Jesus wanted them to be great. And he knew that they would only be capable of that if they said yes to the things that God was calling them to. So like the disciples, we are capable of so much. God has created us with amazing gifts and talents, but we will not operate in them to our full capacity until we say yes to all that he has for us. So this begs the question, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? What is causing the hesitancy in us? What is causing the procrastination? What is causing us to delay on saying yes to the promises of God and saying yes to the calling that he's placed on our lives that will then in turn lead us in to the things that Jesus has for us? The fact of the matter is that there is no better time to say yes to the calling of Jesus than today. And do you know what's amazing about the call of God? It's that it doesn't just happen once and you get your moment to say yes or no. Yes, there's there's the big yes that we get to surrender our life to Jesus. And that's that's that big moment. That's that stake in the ground moment where we say, this is where I surrendered my life to Jesus and I turned everything over to him. But beyond that, when Jesus is making specific asks and specific calls to for us to love people well, for us to serve our communities, for us to sacrifice for our families, whatever it may be, we get that opportunity every single day to say yes or no. And what that means is that there isn't any time to be negative about when we said no and we missed out on the call of God. And it means that we don't get to settle for saying yes that one time months ago or even years ago. Every day is a new chance. And that is absolutely incredible that we would get the opportunity for God to make specific calls into our lives daily and for us to say, yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to interact with that person that you're asking me to interact with. Yes, I want to do that. And when we say no, we don't live in the guilt of missing out on saying yes. We just go, okay, today's a new day. 
today's the day that I'm going to start saying yes. And we just want to be people who have more days where we say yes to Jesus than we say no. The next question is this. Are we willing to go before we have all the answers? It would have been perfectly acceptable for the disciples to have some questions before they dedicated their entire lives to leaving the fishing trade and following this rabbi around. They didn't have that much information about Jesus, but they had enough faith to take the first step and to let Jesus prove it. You see, then Jesus went on to be their best friend, their pastor, a miracle worker, and the perfect manifestation of God on earth. But how many times do you think their humanity got in the way of their belief? Remember, these are the same men that deny Jesus three years later. These are the same men that run when Jesus is hanging on on the cross. They're human. They're fallible. They're broken men. So how many times do you think that their humanity got in the way of their belief? And how many times did they not have all the answers that they wanted? Scripture is littered with times where Jesus is saying things and doing things, and the disciples are absolutely dumbfounded. They have no idea what Jesus is trying to say. They have no idea what he's trying to prove. And I take a lot of comfort in that because there are so many times where I'm like, I think I'm following Jesus really well, and I think I understand, but sometimes I am confused. They were human beings just like you and I, and yet they had enough faith to put one foot in front of the other and follow Jesus, because what he did is he continually proved himself. And I don't think Jesus needs to prove himself. He's God. There's no need for him to prove himself to you and I. However, at my innermost being, I am certain that he wants to prove himself. He isn't surprised by our moments of uncertainty. He wants to do whatever he can to put those things to rest. And he wants to award the faith that we have by taking one step at a time by saying, and this is why you continue to do it, because I am faithful, because I am good, because I care for you, because I have the best in mind for you. I'm going to show you that my way is the best way. It really comes down to whether or not we are people willing to continue putting that foot in front of the other in pursuit of Jesus, even when we don't know the exact destination every single time. So then we get to this statement and and the next question of what does it actually mean to fish for people? What does it mean to fish for people? Many of us who grew up in church have probably heard this term quite a bit, but I think that it can cause confusion. Was Jesus calling these seasoned fishermen to try and hook people into following the one true God? No, he was speaking to a specific men in a specific context at a specific time. So why the metaphor and why fishermen? Well, the first reason is that Jesus knew their skill set. Jesus knew their skill set. I think it can be really easy for us to assume that the call that Jesus makes was kind of random, But he knew these men at their core. He knew that they had qualities and traits and that their skill set would be so awesome and would translate so well when it came to reaching people. He knew that they had to be patient. He knew that they had to be observant. He knew that they had to be discerning. And he knew that they had to be careful. And those traits were going to let them be and lead them to be the men that he wanted them to be when it came to reaching people for the kingdom of God. And for us, I think it's important that Jesus knows our skill sets as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 6, it says, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. I think it could be really easy for us to create the perfect disciple of Jesus in our heads and then try to force ourselves to be that person. 
But Jesus isn't calling you to be someone else. He is calling you to be the best version of yourself. He's calling me to be the best version of myself. God appreciates our unique gifts and our unique abilities, and he will utilize those things to show his love to others. And it's so important that we understand that. About seven years ago, when I stepped into ministry as an intern, I knew nothing, and I still probably know nothing. But I I just tried to be all the people I admired. I just started following people and just trying to be them and didn't work on my own gifts and talents and and didn't try to leverage those things and, and use those things. Well, I just tried to be other people. And it wasn't always a bad thing because they were people worth admiring, but it wasn't what God was calling me to be. And I had a mentor, Ron Todd, who just tragically passed away here this last week. And, and he pulled me into his office. I was interning under him. And he said, Evan, you need to stop trying to be other people. And you just need to be who God's asking you to be. And it was life changing for me. And I'll never forget it. Because that was when I really felt like I came into my own because I didn't feel like I had to, to mimic or mock what other people were doing. I just had to be what God was asking me to be. Jesus wants to cultivate in us the things that we love. He doesn't want to sever us from them. He wants to cultivate all of the things that he planted there in the first place. He's not asking us to sever off who we are in order to serve him. He's asking us to use who we are to serve him. The second thing is that Jesus knew their position. Sometimes it can be really easy for us to want scripture to be completely black and white, but when we look at it contextually, it actually means so much more. At the time that Jesus is making this invitation, Rome had taken over everything. There wasn't a body of water that they didn't own. In turn, these men were fishing like they always had, but were being extorted and taken advantage of, that the majority of their fish were being exported into Roman cities instead of providing sustenance for their communities. And they were in extreme poverty, them and their families and the people around them. And and they were the social construct, the socioeconomic situation was it was awful. And they were being taken advantage of. And so when Jesus is asking them to cast aside their nets, he's also asking them to cast aside their acceptance of what had become culturally normal. While Jews were expecting one kind of revolution, Jesus was calling them to join in a different kind of revolution. Everything that Jesus did was culture-creating. Everything that he did was radical. Everything that he did was life-changing. And he wanted them how to learn to do just that. Because he knew that he was only going to be around for just so long And he knew that he was going to have to create a group of people who were going to be willing and able to carry the message of Jesus. He wanted people who were patient, observant, discerning. He wanted those men to be the people who were going to change the world. Later on, we'll see that the religious elites at the time called them unschooled, ordinary men. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus wanted that. He wanted them to be ordinary men who did extraordinary things. The gospel is called good news, but then just like now, Jesus understood some things that we need to understand today. If it isn't good news, it's not from God. And if it isn't good news for all people, it's not God. Jesus wanted to take ordinary people and use them to teach extraordinary truths. And he still wants to do that today. He knows our skill sets, and he isn't concerned with our social positions. He just knows that the kingdom will thrive when normal people make the commitment to follow an amazing Savior who has really good news. So, are we people who are willing to say yes, no matter how much information we have? And do we truly believe that God can use people like you and me? Hey, if you are in Billings, we would love to see you in person, 7 o'clock Tuesday nights here at Faith Chapel. If not, be on the lookout for next week's podcast. It'll be posted next Wednesday. We love you guys, and we hope to see you soon.